So next Sunday is Mother's Day, and so we will be celebrating all moms and women next Sunday, and we'll have a, a small gift for you as well. Um, but I, I've done something uh, this year. I, I, I'd like to actually take two weeks to, to, to speak to our women. And, um, uh, you know, number one, I just want you to know that I'm not coming at a, from a woman's perspective. I'm not a woman. I do not say, I do not understand women completely, although I've lived with them my entire life. I, I grew up with my mom. Uh, she was definitely a woman. My two sisters were women. Uh, my wife uh, is a woman, and my daughters were women too. They still are. And as well, at most of the time, most of the time, all of our pets were female too. So, you know, I, I've been, so I, even though I'm a guy, I'm definitely a man. Um, I have been surrounded by women. And, uh, and so I'd like to just be able to speak to our women specifically today, as well to our guys too. There's stuff in here for you, but, but how many of you guys know, as long as the women are happy, we're, we're cool with that, right? So uh, you're, you're probably happier if I speak about women anyway. Uh, uh, but your turn's coming in June, guys, so we'll talk about men then. All right, so, um, so, so the question is, like, what qualifies a woman, you know, to be successful? And, like, even today, like, what does it mean to be a successful woman today? And who really gets to say that? Who gets to call who's the successful woman? Who gets to say what's, what's you know, what's good or bad for you as a woman? And so society itself sometimes teaches us and it gives us this idea of what the perfect woman is or what the best kind of woman is. And there's some pictures up here of some women that maybe Hollywood is promoting. You know, is Wonder Woman really the ultimate woman? You know, um, I mean, Wonder Woman is good. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, is she the ultimate woman? Is it Laura Ingalls Wilder? Is she the ultimate woman? You know, is it Livy Walton from the Waltons? Uh, you know, or maybe Mrs. Brady from the Brady Bunch, or Rachel Green from Friends. Is she the ultimate in woman? Or maybe it's Edith Bunker, if you all know who she is. Or perhaps it's Madonna. Not the mother of Jesus Madonna, the, you know, the singer Madonna. Maybe not. Um, maybe it's a politician like uh, uh, Nancy Reagan or Hillary Clinton. Maybe it's Maria from The Sound of Music. Uh, perhaps it's Mother Teresa or some woman from the Game of Thrones. Whatever the case may be, you know, whatever you think is the ultimate woman, who, who says what is, you know, the ultimate woman? Who says what is successful today? And so we want to look into the Word of God to see this. And so I'm going to turn to a very dangerous portion of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 31. All right, because in this passage... Um, I, I've spent enough time around women to know that Proverbs 31 is one of those passages that you love and you hate. Because it's just, it speaks so much about women, and at the same time, you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I just don't measure up. Have any of you ladies ever felt that when you read Proverbs 31? Maybe you felt like, maybe I didn't, yeah, you're not even going to raise your hands, because, but I know you have. So um, the reality is Proverbs 31 is given to us and, and we wanna, I want to look at it from a man's perspective today. Um, and so for you ladies, that may be a little different. At the same time, uh, I want to be able to, inf uh, I wanna be able to uh, give you some of God's truth about Proverbs chapter 31. So um, I've titled this passage, this is not from my Bible, this is from my, my twisted mind. I've titled this passage, uh, 31 verses 10 to 31, The Exhausted Woman. All right, that would be my... My take on what the Proverbs 31 woman, or maybe the dead woman would be a better um, representation, or the mythical woman, all right? Or maybe maybe more so the dozen or so women listed below, <laughs> all right? 
so that I want you to get this. Like a lot of times you, you want to take this all on yourselves. Let's see what the Word of God says about this. So in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, it says, A wife of noble... Now, before I start, this is written by Solomon. He calls himself King Lemuel. How many wives does Solomon have? <laughs> Too many, yes. Too many. I mean, he says, it's a, it says a thousand, you know, 300 wives, 700 concubines. I mean, you know, but I, I, that might be a rounded off figure. I don't know if he actually knew, you know. So, I mean, this is a guy that he, he has too many wives, all right. He maybe should have went for quality over quantity, perhaps, uh, in his life. But, um, but this is who's written, written this passage here. At the same time, he is one of the wisest people that's ever lived. Right? And at this point, he's still functioning with a lot of godly wisdom coming through him. Not so in the book of Ecclesiastes, but in the book of Proverbs, it's still God's wisdom coming through. All right, so here we go, verse 10, <laughs> starting this passage here. All right, a wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out all at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes fine garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. That's a beautiful passage of Scripture, isn't it? And how many of you ladies have ever read that and like, that is just so beautiful? You know, and, uh, and it really is. At the same time... Um, like so much of the Word of God, we sort of look at ourselves and we, we, we try to, 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 to look at our shortfalls in respect to that. And for so many, you know, for many ladies, I've heard this from many ladies' lips, like, I can't measure up to that. Isn't it amazing how, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to us this morning through that song that we sang, that God is with you, He's in you, He's for you. Uh, and, and so listen, uh, ladies, we want you to get this. God is with you today. He's for you today. He's not against you. You know, he loves you. And so King Solomon, in this, in this penning of this, this end of this book of Proverbs, he takes and he begins to, to give us these concepts. And so I want you to see these things not as a, because some of you, especially some of you ladies, are like, you want to check this off your list, either pass or fail. And I want you to get this. You know, a lot of what God gives us in his word is a concept. It's not a hard, fast thing that you have to either do or die. And so there's concepts from this passage of Scripture that you can look at and see this is what a godly woman looks like. And for many of you, you should be able to look at it and say, well, yeah, you know, I, I sort of, 
that's you may not do exactly what it says here because some of the stuff guaranteed you're not going to do but the concept is there and i can see this in many many women that i come in contact with and so there's a number of things number one is is the is that uh that this woman, a godly woman, is noble and priceless. How many of you remember the MasterCard commercial from years ago when it would be like, like you know, dinner out with your friends and then, like, you know, cappuccinos afterwards, you know, $10. Uh, but the experience is priceless. And so um, a woman, a godly woman, is noble and priceless. She's a priceless thing to be, you know. And I'm not saying she's a thing, but you understand what I'm saying. There's a priceless nature to a godly woman, and so uh, that's also a nobility. Now, now listen, not, there's a lot of women today that there's no nobility in them whatsoever. I'm not talking about a pedigree. I'm talking about how they perform or act in life. And so there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of raunchiness out there as far as men and women go. So not every woman is a noble woman, but godly women are noble, and they're priceless. They're, they're, they're worth more than Solomon said than their value in rubies. And so there's no price you can put on a godly woman. And, uh, and so this is part of the nature of what a godly woman looks like. Another thing is that she's faithful. And so Solomon talks about her being faithful in marriage, but the reality is, ladies, I want you to know, your number one faithful thing is your relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, he is, you're married to him before you're married to anyone else. You know, and so that is, and guys, it's the same way for us. I know it's sort of freaky to say we're married to Jesus, but the reality is we are supposed to be married to him before anyone else. So ladies, you know, you're married to Christ first and foremost, and then you may or may not have a husband. You know, uh, there was a woman who was here in church years ago. Her name was Margaret uh, Milbrandt, Margaret Haberland. She didn't get married until she was in her 70s. And then her and her elderly husband went to Hershey Park on their honeymoon. Um <clears throat> We, we remarked about, you know, it must have been fun watching them do the super-duper looper together, you know. And um, anyway, but she was, she was elderly. She was never married. But she was, number one, she was all about what she did here at church. She was in charge of the Sunday school. She did this whole thing. Many of the scriptures that I've memorized as a child, I memorized because of her. And, um, and at the same time, then, she was also professional out in, in the workforce. She worked for the Scranton Enamel Company, I believe. And she was uh, higher up in there. And so she was uh, faithful, uh, you know, to the Lord and faithful to her work. And, and that's part of being a godly woman is being faithful to those who are in your charge, whether it's the Lord's house, it should be the Lord's house too, and, and to the king, kingdom of God, but also to whatever family you have. Or maybe if you have no family, um, you are, it's, it's your circle of, of friends or employees or whatever it is that you work with. Faithfulness is part of that. Um, the third thing is industriousness. And this is interesting. You know, uh, it says she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Now, chances are you're not going to accomplish this because how many of you have ever worked with flax? I mean, how do you even work with flax? I mean, I don't really know. Uh, I know flax is, a, is, is like a, a grass. It's a plant that grows. So you, can, you, can, you can use it to cook, but you can also use it to to create garments and stuff with. But, I mean, listen, the reality is that there's an industriousness. And I'm, I'm floored sometimes by the industriousness of, of women. And we see this in, in their nature. And, and a godly woman is industrious. She's looking at ways to, uh, to not just work for herself but for her family and for the kingdom of God. And thank God for that industriousness. Through the years, if it wasn't women teaching classes, many of us would not have learned 
in our times in Sunday school, in vacation Bible school. Thank God for women that have been industrious, that have worked and served in the church. Amen? Uh, the fourth thing is that she's healthy. And so, uh, again, it's, it's um, uh, maybe not exactly like Solomon says it here, but listen, ladies, you've got to take care of your own health too, okay? It's important. And so for some ladies, um, getting a facial is part of taking care of their health, you know? Um, I have never got a pedicure, nor do I ever want one, all right? But my wife and daughter like going for pedicures, and that is part of taking care of their health. For some, it might be going to a chiropractor or a spa or the gym or whatever the case may be. You need to take care of your health first, ladies, but then also thank God for moms because if it was up to dads, there would never be vegetables, right? I mean, there would never... I mean, kids would never, ever have to eat peas if it wasn't for moms, you know? And so, uh, and, and sometimes dad gets on the bandwagon only because mom wants him to get on that bandwagon. You know what I'm saying? So um, the health of other people is important. You know, uh, sometimes, it, and maybe in a, in a factory or an office, somebody's there and they're making smoothies and putting kale in a smoothie. What is that, you know? And uh, usually it's, it's ladies that are doing that. Why? Because they're all about health. That's a godly thing as well, uh, to take care of this temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then time management. Man, you know, we, Laura and I, we raised three children, and life was busy for us. You know, but life today is even busier than it was for us when we were raising kids. You know? It is just unbelievable. And even with COVID, how is it that when things are shut down, you have less time? How is that possible? Right? And yet, this time management, this is something that, you know, ladies, listen, we, we're, we're thankful when you take the lead with that, you know? And I, I, let me brag on my wife. She is just so much about this. Like, in our, our house, we have a calendar. And when we had five, there was five of us living in the house, we had a calendar. She had a different colored pen for every one of us. Because she's going to manage time. She's going to manage it, you know? And when I see some of you ladies, you know, uh, juggling kids. Some of you are bringing kids on your own to church. Some of you are juggling those, well, literally juggling those kids. I mean, I, um, we can see a little more of that maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, you're juggling a, a, your work. You're juggling a marriage perhaps. You're jugg and those of you who are single moms, my gosh, I don't know how you do it. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, the time management that we see of, of a godly woman, it's just an incredible, incredible thing. And I'm thankful again for the the impact in my life uh, of, of the women that have been in my life. The next one is compassion. She opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. You know, uh, there's compassion with guys, but it's not like the compassion of women, you know. And uh, you know, us guys, we have our moments, you know, but women tend to be a lot more compassionate than men, and, and we thank God for that. That's a, that's a sign of godliness. And even guys can be compassionate too, but it's, it's moments of compassion Whereas in, 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 in ladies, man, it, it's, it's a lifetime of compassion, and it's a, it's a godly thing. The next one is true beauty, true beauty. And so, um, you know, it's not the beauty that Hollywood says. You know, it's not, um, it's not the beauty that, uh, you know, the media portrays. It's not the, you know, the bachelorette beauty that we're looking for. It's, that's not it. You know, because how many, of you, how many of you have ever been around people, like people from Hollywood, they may be stunning on the outside, and then they open their mouths, and it's just like, it's like, it's like a black hole. It just sucks all the life out of everything. You know what I mean? And so 
the outward, and, 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 and who gets to say what outward beauty is? You know? I mean, seriously. I mean, look around this room. No two of us look alike. I mean, thank God, right? I mean, you know, I mean, no one looks like me. Ladies, you're the way you are. I mean, listen, Peter talks about that. He says, let, let the beauty come from the inside and let it work out. You know, let it come from the inside. It's not just, not that there's anything wrong with adorning the outside, because some of you are really good at that, you know? Uh, a couple, uh, you know, everybody's, some of you ladies like a lot of makeup. I'm not against makeup. I mean, if you have a, you know, if you got the barn, you might as well paint it, right? You know, so, I mean, it, it's, it's okay. Um, and uh, make it look good, you know? And so, uh, but like, you ever get around... You ever see a woman who only all, I don't want to say who she is, but there's a woman in our church. She always wears makeup. The one time she came, she didn't have any makeup on. I was like, are you okay? You look really sick. <laughs> As a guy, you just can't say those things. Like asking a woman if she's pregnant. Man, don't ever say that. It's never going to be good. It's always going to end up bad for you. Even if she's pregnant, she's going to ask why. Do I look it? Then what are you going to say? All right. So, so, but so, there's nothing wrong with with working on the outward beauty, you know. Um, but that's not the end of it. That's not the that's not the end all. And and hey, and, and as men, we appreciate when you work on the outward beauty too. That's totally fine, you know. That's awesome. And some of us guys need to work a little more on it, maybe, you know. But uh, like, thank God, every day when we're on our way to work, Laura's like, "Did you brush your hair?" <laughs> And she's reaching over. She's like patting the back of my head. She goes, oh, that you got to put water on that, you know. I don't know. I can't see it back there. I brush it. I think it's done, you know. It, obviously, it's still up like a feather. She says it's like a like a showgirl sometimes. I hear her standing up. So anyway. All right, where am I? I got to get back to my sermon. Okay. Um, and uh, Entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial. You know, uh, through the years, uh, my mom in my mom's generation, you know, like, uh, they would get flower sacks during the Depression and make dresses out of them and clothing out of them. I mean, that's, that's being entrepreneurial, you know. I mean, that's, that's do, I mean, you ladies, sometimes we're in awe of what ladies do in this entrepreneurial way, you know, what they can make out of something. They can take a, a sow's ear and make a silk purse out of it and sell it on eBay. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You know, we see that. That's a part of godliness as well. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit percolates entrepreneurial spirit in you. And gives you stuff beyond yourself as you do that. Um, she's faith-filled. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions on her tongue. Thank God for the faith of our mothers and our sisters and our aunts and our grandmoms, you know. Thank God for them, all right? There's management skills as well. See, ladies, this is, it isn't just achieving that Proverbs 31 woman. It's, it's the ability to manage all these things. And, man, I see, you know, when, when women are able to do this so much better than men in so many ways, we love that. It says she watches over the affairs of her household and doesn't eat the bread of idleness. You know, if, it's, if, it, if guys are taking care of it, the toilet paper runs out. You know? Thank God for ladies. Thank God for what you ladies do. And then uh, finally here, the last one is nurturing. Nurturing. You know? Not only can she bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan, but she'll, she'll nurture those kids through that as well. And it says this. It says that her children... Um, shall rise and call her blessed. And so, listen, moms that are here, uh, that are raising young kids, don't listen to what your kids say about you. Right? Because sometimes 
they are sometimes they're not nice to their mom, right? When you're trying to direct them, you're trying to instruct them. Sometimes they'll tell you what they really feel about you, and you'd like to tell them what you feel about them too. You know, just don't. But the reality is, eventually, they're going to rise up and call you blessed. It's going to happen. You know, um, because there's going to be that you, you as a mom, are going to have this incredible transformation of wisdom and power. When your child begins to live an adult life, it's like you're going to have this whole education all at once because you're going to go from being dumb to being the most, the smartest person in the world as your kids rise up and call you blessed eventually. It'll happen. So hold on for that. Don't lose heart and just believe that. And, yes, um, your husband will praise you also. And, uh, yes, I, I believe that. I thank God. Hey, I thank God for my wife. All she does, I would rise up and praise her without a question. My mother and my mother-in-law, I would praise them. They were wonder- my, my mother-in-law was a wonderful woman. My mom was an incredible woman of God. I thank God for my sister and my, my daughters and for all of you ladies. I see. Listen, we, we rise up and praise you without a question. All the things you do, we are in awe as guys. And, so, and then finally, he says that you know, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And thank God that above all those things... Um, we are, uh, you know, we are thankful for our women who are praising the Lord. They are worthy of that. Amen. So let me, let me just share some scriptures with you here today because sometimes, ladies, you do feel inferior. And I want you to just understand what the Word of God says about this. In Galatians chapter 6, um, in verse 4, Paul writes here and he says, Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. And so, listen, gir- ladies, girls, if I can just give you a piece of advice, stop comparing yourself to other women. Just stop. Just stop it. There's no reason to do this. Because, number one, you don't know what that other woman is going through. Some of those women, they look great on the outside, and on the inside, they are just ripped up. And you don't know what's happening in their home. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know where they're at. You don't know what's going on behind their eyelids. So stop comparing yourself to other women. You know, understand who you are. And God has made you. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So, so, so stop comparing yourself to others. Well, I'm not as so, such and such as so-and-so is. Of course you're not because you're not them. But they're not you. And so understand who you are. And don't compare yourself to other people. I know it's easy to say and it's hard to do, but listen, it needs to be stated. And as, as a man living amongst women, stop comparing yourself to others. Right? Do what God has called you to do. Um, in John chapter 14, and this is the Holy Spirit was really ministering this to people. He was just putting his peace on people today. And so Jesus talks about this, and he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. In John 16, he says, I've told you these things, that in you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so, listen, go to him. When you feel unpeaceful, ladies, mom, grandma, aunt, sister, you know, uh, single woman, whatever, whoever you are, when you have those times when it feels like the world is coming and, and, and it's just, you know, you're having trouble in the world, then go to the source of peace. And the source of peace is only Christ. He is the peace. All right? And so uh, go to him and find that peace in the midst of whatever it is that you're dealing with. 
um, and, and, and he'll be there for you. And, and why do I know that? Because Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You know, the one version says power, love, and a sound mind. I mean, the spirit that God has given you, ladies, is a spirit of power. And you can walk in that power. You can live in that power. It's not a spirit of, a spirit of timidity. It's not a spirit of you can't be. It's a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a, period of, uh, a spirit of sound mind, of self-discipline. God has given you this. And so don't be afraid to access that and walk in it. Many times in our lives, as men and women... We don't walk in the blessing of God because we simply don't walk into the blessing of God. All right? That's how it is so often. The blessing of God is there. The power of God is there. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's with you. He's like, he's like a runner at the starting gate waiting for the gun to go, waiting for you to just let him release in your life. And if you want to handle it on your own, he stays in that position waiting. And you have to walk into that. You have to give him the ability to move in your life. And so walk into those things. God's given you the spirit of power. Finally this morning, we're going to go to Psalm 139. And Psalm 139, this incredible uh, psalm that David writes. And it's interesting, part of the psalm he talks about, it, he says, Lord, um, test my heart. Look into my heart. And so much of where we're at as, as, as humans, as ladies, as men, is that we are in this place where we're, we're, we're confused by what goes on inside of ourselves, and then we get to that place where we finally get to God, and we say, Lord, would you just illuminate in my heart? Just shine in my heart, and let your light come in me and, and sort, of, sort of show me what is wrong inside of me. Because sometimes we don't even know ourselves what's going on wrong, right? You know? And so, uh, you know, you go to a doctor, the, the worst thing when you go to a doctor is they don't tell you what's wrong with you, Right? You know, and so sometimes we need to know even what's right. Sometimes the Lord has to come in and say, hey, listen, it's right here. Through the word of God, through a friend, through whatever. You know, so in Psalm 139, verse 13, listen to these verses, and then we'll, we'll pick these apart for just a moment, and then we're going to go to the Lord's Supper together. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. Who is David talking to? That you there is God. So God created all of us, Right? You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Maybe you need to say that. I'm not saying, like, don't be like one of those guys that goes, like, in a department store and he goes by a mirror and he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't be like that. If you're like that, you need something else. But for most of us, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, my gosh. When I was a teenager, man, I used to get, like, this huge zit right on the end of my nose. It would be, it was like a chronic, it was like my best friend. It was there all the time. I, I used all sorts of medicine on it, and there it was, man. I mean, you get zits other places, you know, but right on your nose? I mean, it, it, it blocks your vision. You can't even see stuff. I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh, if I could only get rid of that zit, you know? And so I would try things and everything, and finally I just outgrew it. You know, he found another friend somewhere, I guess. And, um, you know, uh, listen, sometimes we've got to just know that, listen, God made us, and um, 
we have to know we're wonderfully made, you know? And so, you know, uh, remind yourself of that. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any one of them ever came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Right, account them. You would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Like four things that just jumped out to me from this passage. Number one is that you're created by God. I mean, you are created by him. And so when you, when you accuse him of being unjust in creating you, you're, you're making some pretty, some pretty heavy accusations against an incredibly holy God. God created you. Know that. He created you. He made you. Now, I'm not saying you can't change, you know, change your hair uh, style, you know, shave your head, uh, you know, color your hair, do, put makeup on, lose weight, gain weight, whatever the case may be, you know, take a bath, uh, you know, change your clothes, whatever. You can do any of those things to change it. It's, it still doesn't change the fact that God made you. And, yeah, you should take care of the temple without a question, but God made you. And so those things that you're constantly accusing him of, of doing wrong, God does not do wrong. Number two, he knew you before anyone knew you. Before you were a glimmer in your daddy's eye, before your mama knew that there was something wrong, you know? I mean, you know, all of a sudden I, I'm feeling sick. Before any of that, God knew you. In fact, if you go, you can, you can Google this, you can YouTube it. If you go and you see the moment when a sperm and, a, and an egg come together, there is a flash of light that takes place. You can go ahead and check that out, all right? And, and uh, that flash of light, I believe, is, is the presence of the Holy Spirit right there that's ordaining that to take place, you know? And, and, and the DNA that comes right there, it's there. I mean, listen, you are imprinted on that moment. You're created in the image of God from that moment on, right? Understand that. Know that God knew you before anyone else knew you, all right? Number three, he has a plan. Listen, some of you were told you're an accident, just so you know, there is no such thing as an accident. Because guess what? In, in second grade biology, they teach that now, right? When a guy and a girl come together, usually something happens, okay? It's not an accident unless there's two naked people walking down the street. And they trip and fall, and it's just not going to happen, okay? There is no accident, all right? <laughs> I mean, seriously. No accidents happen that way, Okay. Stop thinking you were an accident, all right? Number three, Bridget, that does not to be quoted. That does not need to be quoted. Okay, number three, he has a plan for you. Your days are ordained, all right? God has a plan. Listen, your days are ordained. So, so listen, that even means those crazy days you have are ordained of God. So he has a plan to take you through that crazy day. That day when you're just, I don't know if I can make it through today. Guess what? God is with you. He's in you. He's for you. He is all about you. You're going to make it through that craziness because he's with you. Those days are ordained by God. Number four, his thoughts about you are precious and they're numerous. Man, know that God, his thoughts towards you, he doesn't look at you. Listen, when you make a mistake, he doesn't look at you and go, oh, I'm so disappointed. No, his thoughts towards you are numerous, they're precious. He loves you, he's for you, he's in you, he's with you. He has a plan for you. If you, if you miss the mark and you don't accomplish everything he has for you, guess what, there's always tomorrow. And God will be with you tomorrow to help you get further down the road. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give in to the things that people say about you. 
He believes the best for you. God loves you. And he's for you. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for a moment. So, Lord, even right now, as we have come to this point, Lord, I would ask you to just sort of solidify, as you have just, you have screamed to us this morning, the fact that you are in us and for us, you're with us, that, Lord, we are the apple of your eye, that you have created us, that we're precious in your sight. And so, Lord, may that truth just percolate down now from our brain, from our ears and our brain, down through our spirit even right now. Help us to know that, God, we are yours. We belong to you. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That, Jesus, you are with us and that you are not going to leave us. I thank you that you came and you experienced what, what, what humans experience. You became that God-man, that one, the incarnate Son of God that came to experience what we experience, so that even in our times of frustration, even in our times when we doubt ourselves, even in those times when we doubt your will, we can come to you, Jesus, because, Lord, you know how we feel. When you were in the garden, right before uh, your passion, you even asked the Father if it was possible for this cup to pass from you because you felt what we feel. But then you, you, you... You said it right by saying, nevertheless, but you, let your will be done. So, Lord, we come to that one who's full of compassion for us because, Jesus, you're not just sympathetic towards us. You're empathetic. You know how we feel. So minister that in our lives so that, God, when we come to you, we can leave with the spirit of power, love, and a self-discipline, a powerful spirit. Bless your people today. Especially our ladies, Lord, I pray that you would just lift them up and encourage them as the world would throw so much uh, junk at them and garbage at them, Lord, help them to be able to stand firm and strong, knowing who they are in you above all. And bless them and make them able. And for us guys too, Lord, don't forget us. We thank you that you're for us too. We bless you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab your your communion. We're going to go into a Lord's Supper here. And isn't it awesome how, how Jesus, if you need one, hold your hand up. We have some in the back there. If anybody needs uh, communion, one right here in the front. One right there. There's, there's one right here, one right there. Anyone else? All right. Isn't it interesting that um, we'll get you one up here, Mason. Um, isn't it interesting that as, as, Jesus, as Jesus is there doing the Last Supper, um, he, he changes the, you know, the pattern of what they do, and he, and he says that, I want you to do this to remember me. And I find it interesting. It's one of the few things that we do, you know, ritualistic as a church to a degree. But I've often said this. When you eat this bread, um, this bread goes into your stomach, and then it's broken down in your stomach, and it it literally goes to every cell in your body. There's no part of you that is not touched by this. No part. You know, it, it, it literally, you... You assume this into every cell. And Jesus is using that as an illustration for us so that he know, we know that, listen, when we receive him, there's Karen right up here in the front too. There's one right here, Mason. Um, there's, there's no part of us that he doesn't touch. There's no part of us that he does not minister to. There's no part of us that is exempted from the promises of God. All right? And so he gives us the bread and the cup 
to solidify this in us. He said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And we know his body was broken as he was whipped and beaten, you know, before his passion. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible thing. But it was done for us so that our bodies can be healed, so that our bodies can be whole. He was broken so we could be fixed. Amen? And that goes to whatever you're dealing with physically, whether it's a sickness, an illness, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a mental thing, whatever it is, God is there uh, to heal us, at least to get us further down the road, you know? And so know that today as we receive this. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, For I have received from the Lord that which also I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night as we trade took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this bread is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you for this bread. We receive it now gladly for all that you have done in our lives, and we remember you through this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Praise the Lord. And then after supper, it says he took the cup, and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many. Aren't you glad it's shed for us? Aren't you glad? He said to do this in remembrance of him. So Jesus, we remember your blood that was shed. We thank you for all that it purchases in our lives, our life, our eternity. Lord, even the power to uh, the power against the enemy, the power against the devil, it's given to us through your blood. We thank you for this now. We receive this gladly in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take it a cup together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, is he for you today? Is he in you today? Is he all about you today? Amen. So, can we be all about him as well as we go from this place? Stand as, as I just want to pray a blessing on you uh, as we, as we uh, transition out of here. We'll see you guys next Saturday at our church work day. Uh, get some workout for the kingdom of God. Amen? This Saturday, what did I say? Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's this Saturday. See, that's why, that's why women are here. Because if you, if you only listen to me, you're going to be confused. You know, thank God for our ladies. That's it. Two women in my life are just, thank you, uh, Laura and Heather. Thank you. Let me pray a blessing on you guys. Raise your hands up. Jesus, bless your people now. Lord, as you have just screamed to us today that you are with us, you are for us, you're not against us. God, you're in us in power. Would you go forward with these ones now? Fill them with your power. Send them forth with your glory, with your anointing, with all that you have for them, Lord Jesus. You are good, and we are grateful to be called your children this day. Bless each one now. Send us forth with your blessing. May we be a blessing to those around us as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Lord, bless you, folks. Have an awesome, awesome day. Thanks for being here today.